Catechism question this week is number five, are there more gods than one? And the answer is, there is but one only, the living and true God. This is, of course, at the heart of all reality, all truth, and therefore the true religion. We can see in the creation that there is one creator from whom and through whom and to whom are all things that which man could see and which God had made known even in our hearts. He'd made known to us and made it observable in the creation is the great reality. And yet we in our sin have pushed down on the truth of that reality. Uh, It was the first temptation of the devil that there could be another who is like God in himself, as opposed to being like God as those created to image him. Uh, And no good and evil in the way that God knows good and evil uh, in terms of um, identifying that which is good is consistent with me and my desires, and that which is evil is that which is opposite to me and to my desires. There's only one who knows good and evil in that way, and that is the living God. Satan fell by the conceit, the pride that he could be another who is like God, and that uh, which he, with which he tempted the man and the woman was the same thing. The woman, of course, being deceived, thinking that this is what it means to be made in God's image, and the man not being deceived, desiring for himself that same place uh, which the devil had originally arrogated to himself. And so Romans 1 tells us that although we knew God in our first father Adam and every one of us ever since have not glorified him as God or given thanks. And one of the great consequences then of the gospel that takes place in the next 10 chapters of the book of Romans is to come to the conclusion at the end of Romans chapter 11 uh, of the glory of God from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. And so it is not surprising that when God takes for himself a people uh, in the covenant of grace under the administration that came through Moses, one of the great declarations around which it centered is, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. He is the God who is, and there is no other. There is one only, the living and true God. Uh, And he is the God who had taken for himself a people whom he gathered as his firstborn son out of the land of Egypt, that they might serve him, and that they might be a light unto the nations and the ones through whom God was known, through whom the Messiah would come, uh, through whom all the families of the earth would be blessed, which is what the rest of that uh, final sermon of Moses that has come to us by the Spirit uh, as the book of Deuteronomy, uh, that is what the rest of the book of Deuteronomy teaches. Uh, Well, then, it is also no surprise that when God gathers to himself the gospel church, Uh, with the Messiah having come and his spirit having been poured out upon all the nations now and gathering from all the nations to himself a church in the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Lord would would, the Lord Jesus would announce uh, that 
Uh, he is the one true God. Uh, he declares all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Uh, that which does not belong to the devil, although the devil is given a subordinate authority that is the penalty of man on the earth. The devil, of course, has never had any authority uh, in heaven. Uh, and so that which the devil had offered Christ illegitimately, uh, that he might have it uh, by worshiping anyone other than God, the Lord Jesus has all authority on earth by having worshipped God uh, in accordance with his human nature perfectly, having worshipped and served and obeyed only the true and living God, having done that in our place, that we that he might be our righteousness. Uh, and so all authority on earth has been given to him. He is the stone cut without hands that becomes a great mountain, as great as the whole earth, uh, to whom all the kingdoms of the world and their glory belong. And he is also the one to whom all authority in heaven belongs, because he is not just an adopted firstborn son the way Israel was. He is the only begotten son. Uh, and when he gathers all nations to himself, as he said he would do, he said, I, when I am lifted up, will gather uh, all nations uh, to myself. Uh, he is receiving that which is due, is his due on earth, and that which is his by right, by the right of his person, as the second person of the Godhead, uh, and the right of his being, as very God, a very God in heaven. All authority in heaven is his, and so even in his human nature, as he is about at that time in Matthew 28 to ascend into heaven, <clears throat> when he ascends into heaven, even in his human nature, he takes his seat on the throne. And so there is a man now. Uh, he is a divine person. He is God. But he is not just very God, a very God. He is also very man, a very man. And he sits on the throne of heaven. Heaven is ruled by a man. Seraphim hide their faces from a man. And we are united to him. He took on that humanity, Hebrews tells us, that we might be, we who are human, might be united to him. And so Ephesians tells us that we are seated with him in the heavenly places. And so great is the exaltation that has come to man in the exaltation of Christ, that we are then baptized into the one name, singular, of the living God. As Jesus declares, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him, and he holds forth the completeness of his deity. Uh, he then announces that not only is all authority in heaven and on earth given to himself as God, but we then are baptized uh, not uh, into Moses, not into John the baptizer. We are baptized into the name singular of the living God. And the name that he gives us for the living God at that point is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that it is true that uh, no one had known God at any time until Christ himself came to be known by faith. Now that's an amazing thing to say. 
<clears throat> when you think about the different ways that God had revealed himself at different times. He said of Moses that he spoke to Moses face to face. He said of Abraham that Abraham was the friend of God. There was the appearance, uh, whatever that appearance looked like, of God on the mountain with the elders uh, of Israel on the mountain who saw the Lord and they ate and drank on the mountain. There was that display that God made of himself after Moses had interceded for Israel, after the calf incident, uh, and God had uh, conceded to Moses' request and hidden him in the cleft of the rock and made his glory to pass by and allowed Moses to see the uh, the trailing of that glory. There is that glory that Moses uh, saw and interacted with in the tent of meeting that was so great that it made him to radiate in a way that terrified others uh, when Moses came out of the tent of meeting. There is that glory that is announced multiple times to Israel. You shall see the glory of the Lord today. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 9, when uh, the way into the tabernacle has been opened by the sacrificial uh, system, and the priests have been ordained, uh, and the Lord displays his glory in multiple ways, and the people shout and fall on their faces. Uh, but then John comes along and he says, despite all of the other ways that God had revealed his glory in, in such intensity, you think of Isaiah in chapter 6, describing the vision in which he had seen the Lord upon his throne high and lifted up, despite all of the ways that God had communicated something about himself, no one had seen him at any time. It was finally in the coming of the Son, who did not have anything in his physical appearance that would commend him to us, as Isaiah tells us. It was finally in the coming of the Son that God fully revealed himself. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, he has, and there are different translations, exegeted him, fully revealed, completely explained. And that's why when the word became flesh and dwelt among us and tabernacled among us, that was the tabernacle moment of greatest glory. Because those who saw him by faith beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of steadfast love and faithfulness, the very thing that God had announced about himself on the mountain when he revealed himself and declared his name to Moses. But now Jesus has come, the fulfillment of that revelation, as different as a full uh, 3D real-life interaction with a person versus uh, light pencil sketch uh, on a flat piece of paper. So different is the glory of knowing Jesus by the faith, beholding his glory by spirit-given faith, knowing his character, and in knowing his character, knowing the living God himself. And so there is one true and living God, who has always been triune. He has always been, of course, from all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
and who intentionally reserves the full revelation of himself for when his son becomes flesh and tabernacles among us. And that is one of the great things that is declared to us in the baptism on earth that the Lord Jesus has commanded for his church. We have said many times the great Christian baptism is when the Son pours out the Spirit, who is the Father's Spirit and who is the Son's Spirit. That is the great Christian baptism, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. But Christian water baptism has been given to us by the Lord Jesus for, among other things, one of the great purposes for which he has given it to us is to announce to us that the one living and true God, whom to deny is to be under wrath, and whom to know and to glorify and to give thanks to him, is a consequence and uh, a consequence of salvation and the blessedness into which salvation brings us. Uh, that to know him is to know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, particularly in the Son himself, to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. And it is in recognition of this uh, on the last day that those who have been saved will, with uh, unimaginable joy, bow the knee and confess with their mouths that Jesus Christ is Yahweh to the praise of God the Father, that his is the name that is above every name, not only on earth and under the earth, but his is the name that is above every name in heaven, Yahweh. And uh, eventually everyone will be Trinitarian because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And it will either be with that unimaginable joy of someone who knows that Jesus is God and this has become their great hope, that God himself has come as Christ to save us, or it will be with unimaginable horror that the God who created all things, they have denied and rejected, and so the his glory will uh, express itself upon them forever, and of course his glory will express itself upon them in wrath. Uh, and there are those who... Uh, for whom the, the wrath comes because they did not know God. Uh, but Second Thessalonians 1 also uh, describes uh, that wrath as coming on those who do not obey the gospel. The good news that Jesus is the living God. The good news that God is triune and has given all that he has to give. His Son to be our Savior and his Spirit to, to be with us and dwell in us as the spirit of his son who is sent forth into our hearts. And there will be that horror on the last day, which will be especially for those who have heard of Christ, but they did not obey the gospel. And there he is, God the Son, in all his triune glory. And we will know the invisible God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the one in which he has made himself visible. God the Son incarnate. And so, uh, are there more gods than one? The answer, of course, is there is but one only, the living and true God. Uh, and this is what we have come to know most fully in the Lord Jesus Christ.